Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. This will be on CT in the pregnant patient, what you need to know. And just to let you know, the reason I chose this is because I did uh, a Facebook Live in February for Image Wisely about the pregnant patient, and it made me think about it a little bit more. And uh, on that session, I think it was really well done, all modesty. And you could, you could listen to it, actually, on the Image Wisely site, and Image Wisely is the number one place to look for information about radiation dose and optimizing dose and everything about radiation. Now, in this talk, what I'm going to do is a little bit differently. I'm going to go through a little bit more information that I could go through at that time and really think about the pregnant patient and the issues with CT. Now, I think the key thing to recognize is you need to balance risk and reward. And so the craziness about someone saying you can't get a CT no matter what, okay, that's plain crazy because at the end of the day, we need to do what's best for the safety of the mother. And so, for example, if someone has an MVA, no one would argue the patient who needs a CT should get a CT with contrast and do the study without thinking about it. Again, it's everything is risk-reward. An article by Weisler Radiographics, the risk burden of radiation exposure to the fetus has to be carefully weighed against the benefits of obtaining a critical diagnosis quickly and using a Singer-tailored imaging exam. Weisler continues, no examination should be withheld when an important clinical diagnosis is under consideration. Exposure to ionizing radiation may be unavoidable, but there is no evidence to suggest that the risk to the fetus after a single imaging study and an interventional procedure is significant. So again, you can see the article very clearly uh, states that you don't want to be just cavalier and just get studies, but if you need the study and it's the right thing to do, just do it. Now, I'll give you a little bit of what's published. This is from the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. This is their committee opinion on imaging during pregnancy and lactation. It's worthwhile reading, but their conclusions are the same as basically what we have in the ACR. Imaging studies are important adjuncts in the diagnostic evaluation of acute and chronic conditions. However, confusion about the safety of these modalities for pregnant and lactating women and their infants often results in unnecessary avoidance. Let me repeat that. Results in unnecessary avoidance of useful diagnostic tests or the unnecessary interruption of breastfeeding. The article goes on to state that ultrasound and MR are not associated with risk as and are imaging ch choices that are ideal for the pregnant patient. But again, you need to do the right study to answer the right question. With few exceptions, radiation exposure through radiography, CT, and nuke studies is at a much lower dose than harm, uh, and that at the end of the day, it's a risk-reward in favor of doing the study. If these techniques are necessary in addition to ultrasound or MR, or more readily available for the diagnosis in question, they should not be withheld from the pregnant patient. Again, let me rephrase that. They should not be withheld from a pregnant patient. The article goes on, CT and associated conscious material should not be withheld if clinically indicated, though a discussion of risk and rewards should take place in the evaluation of acute processes such as appendicitis or bowel obstruction. The maternal benefit from early and accurate diagnosis may outweigh the theoretical fetal risks. 
And the article then goes on to say, although iodinated conscious material can cross the placenta, animal studies have reported no teratogenic or mutagenic effects from its use. Additionally, theoretical concerns about the potential adverse effects of free iodine on the fetal thyroid gland have not been borne out in human studies. So again, do the study correctly. Giving IV contrast is a way of getting the best study. Don't withhold the contrast because of some theoretical process or problem which really doesn't exist. And they even go on to say in lactating patients, IV contrast is not going to be an issue because of its water solubility. Less than 1% of ionated contrast administered to a lactating woman is excreted into the breast milk, and less than 1% of this amount will be absorbed through the GI tract of the infant. Therefore, breastfeeding can be continued without interruption after the use of iodinated contrast. Perfect. Now, what about on the radiology side? Image wisely. A terrific article from a number of years ago by Coakley and Cody and Mahesh. Four key points should be remembered. Uh, the primary risk to the fetus is carcinogenesis and not teratogenesis. The radiation dose from a single CT is on likely to exceed the threshold of 100 milligray for the induction of malformations. Number two, the relative risk of childhood cancer may be as much as doubled in a radiated fetus, but this should be offset by the risks failing to diagnose a serious condition in the mother, and by realizing the absolute risk remains very small. Iodinated contrast appears to be safe in pregnancy, and is not going to be a problem. And finally, the fetus exposed to a significant dose during a CT exam uh, is only when the fetus is in the primary beam. So when you're doing the chest or the head, it's not going to be a problem. Now, we also speak about um, the objective of these, preg of these policies is really to have people understand what needs to be done. Articles like this outline the body of knowledge, provide guidance on when and how to screen for pregnancy, recommend means to control, manage, or practically minimize radiation dose to the pregnant patient or to the fetus, and discusses evaluation of dose assessment, risk assessment, and communication. And some of the facts. Uh, in this article, this is from Image Wisely, again, you know, the potential strategies and measures to reduce CT radiation dose. Again, you can see the general category before the test. During the test, if you're getting a CT, optimize the dose delivered. Make a little low dose, but don't make it a crappy study. The best way to reduce dose, I always say over and over again, is to get the study right the first time. And again, only scan the area you need. You want to be very careful about overscanning in a pregnant patient. Now the ACR does have practice parameters for the pregnant patient. And again, this is something that's worthwhile for you to read. There's a screenshot of the preamble. But there are several different things the ACR says that I think are valuable to all of us. Okay, what about the history for possible pregnancy? Patients usually can provide adequate information to help assess the possibility of pregnancy. All patients of childbearing age should be questioned about pregnancy status with the standardized form or through direct questioning. The guidance is based on a minimal, practical, and balanced approach that considers patient safety and facilitate convenience. 
fertility, safety, and efficiency. And they do like standardized forms because it makes it very easy to always do the same thing over and over again. In terms of pregnancy tests, if the results are positive, you then need to make a decision whether you need to do the study. If it's a life-saving study, you need to do it. A negative pregnancy test should not be used by technologists as a reason to forego standard screening procedures. Okay, so you need to do the screening, ask the questions, and do the pregnancy test. Again, both of them work very well. Now, the question, of course, is does everything need to have a consent? Well, the answer is no. Examination, in term, not so much the consent, but the um, verification of pregnancy status. Well, chest radiography, extremities, head and neck, mammography, any CT outside the abdomen and pelvis, the ACR says that verification of pregnancy status is not important. What requires verification? Interventional procedures of the abdomen and pelvis, angiography of the abdomen and pelvis, hysterosepingography, standard dose CTs of the abdomen and pelvis, and nuke studies, particularly PET studies. So again, you can see that if the area you're scanning is outside the region of the fetus, the concern is significantly less. Now, we get patient consent. It's very important, and this article makes the point, don't focus on the things that could go wrong. Focus on that the risk is relatively small, but if you need the study, it's the safest thing for you and potentially for your baby. That the chance of an adverse radiation effect is really exceedingly, exceedingly small. Now, the article also makes the point that in emergency situations, do not worry. Again, you do not need to get a pregnancy test. Patient comes in with trauma, do the study and just document that you did not get a pregnancy test because there was no time. You want to make certain that we do the right thing for the patient, we do the right thing for the mother and the right thing for the baby, but the number one thing is what's right for the patient's mother. Uh, again, you need to really think about the process. What's the risk involved? The benefit. Everything is risk-reward. Whether particular institutions use written consent forms of verbal consent, this interaction should be documented in the patient's medical record and in compliance with state law. The written consent form should be retained in the medical record. So the bottom line is document what you do. Again, don't be a superhero. Or, or a super stupid superhero. You need to get consent when it's possible. If you can't, you need to document it. You need to speak to the patient and you need to document that as well. So let's look at study selection. I mentioned if you can do ultrasound or MR, do it. CT would be if you can, the other ones don't work or CT is the ideal study. If CT is a study of choice, optimize the exam. Wait a little bit longer if possible. Give lots of oral, use IV, single phase, limit the volumes to be scanned, and use dose reduction when possible. And you can see from this chart, this is the issues with age of pregnancy, gestational age, and radiation dose and what happens. So you can see patients late in pregnancy is just not going to be a problem. It's that early pregnancy that concerns us the most. Now, the pregnancy thing becomes very important if you do your ACR accreditation for your scanner. It's going to ask you to read certain things. You need to be aware of many things. 
Now, if I look at resources, one of the things that uh, the Image Wisely does have is a number of resources available. This resource talks about, of course, this is right before I was giving my talk on February 12th, and they recommended that. But also, Image Wisely has a number of exhibits from prior RSNAs. And I took some screenshots from one of them that was recommended as an article worthwhile reading. And you can see it definitely is Non-Obstetric Emergencies and Complications of the Pregnant Patient by Josie and colleagues. And you can see they divided things up into different emergencies from neurologic to cardiovascular to breast, GI, multisystem, GU. They looked at the frequency. They looked at some of the basic bits of information of what needs to be done what the dose is, but what the optimal study is. And again, this idea about this communication between radiology and the ER docs become critical. And I think in your practice, you need to have rules and you need to discuss them and come up with final conclusions. You don't want to be doing a final conclusion when the patient is in the scanner or near the scanner. Uh, you want to do it at this Tuesday, 4 o'clock. Get it done and things will make become much easier for all of your patients and it cuts down the chance of an error happening. So some other comments about CT in the pregnant patient. Make sure CT is a study of choice. Prepare the patient for the study as completely as possible. Whether it's oral contrast, make sure it's done a few hours earlier. If you're worrying about distal bowel obstruction or a hernia or something, you don't want to be too early. I know we all don't want to wait a long time, but in these patients, it's very critical to get good opacification of everything. You want to optimize your protocol. Make sure it's a reasonable dose. Only scan the area and the volume you need to scan, and monitor the scan so if you have the answer, you can stop, or you may have to go back and do another phase, but you really want to be able to monitor the study. So let's look at some specific examples. Appendicitis is the most common cause of a surgical abdomen in pregnancy. Try ultrasound, maybe try MR. If it doesn't work, CT is the answer. Trauma, I mentioned everyone agrees. You come in with trauma, you're getting a CT, pregnant or not. Uh, the most common uterine injury, and uterine injuries are the most common injuries, uh, is placental abruption, which occurs in up to 40% of patients with uh, severe injury. So here's just a simple example of a patient who you can see had trauma. You can see the ecchymosis right abdominal wall, and the fetus looks okay, what you can see of it, but you see the blood within the amniotic fluid, the blood in the wall. This is simply a bleed from one of the um, ileal vessels, but you get the point of being able to see the active bleed, being able to look directly at the volume, and I think there may be more information. And here's just one more good example. So again, things we can do in terms of optimizing the study. You can see here I'm doing the reconstructions. You can do reconstructions from thin slices or thick slices. You don't need to worry about the dose. The recons will often make things very better, much better. It's an article by Halpenny, low-dose CT pulmonary angiography. And again, here is trying to figure out, can we do PEs at a lower dose? P is the most common killer in pregnancy, so you really want to be very, very careful. If a patient needs a CT to rule out a PE, you want to do it. Um, pregnancy is a hypercoagulability state, and those patients, pregnant patients, are at a higher risk for PE. Some people say, well, maybe get a chest X-ray. I guess that's possible, but we see plenty of PEs with chest X-rays normal. Um, 
again, VQ scans, what is it you should do? Some people have said plain film is negative, VQ scan is negative, stop. Other people say just go to the CT, we can get it done quickly, we make a fast diagnosis, and we can minimize the dose. So there's a lot of logic for doing that. One of the challenges I will admit with CT in a pregnant patient, it's my least favorite patient in terms of PEs because the fluid volume drives you crazy. It's very hard to time things and get a good opacification. You do get enhancement, but not the typical enhancement. I think the fact that patients have gained weight, there's a lot of fluid in the body, it tends to dilute everything. And I think it's the hardest time to get a good PE study. Additionally, the gravid uterus increases IVC pressure and can accentuate transient contrast interruption. So again, it's problematic and can be a challenge for you. Now, the last thing I'll mention is patient shielding. There's been arguments in the literature on and off should you shield patients. I know patients, particularly moms with young kids, like it because they feel like they're blocking the gonads. But the fact is, what it's done is made people feel better about things, but actually harm the patient. Um, this article was no nonsense. This is coming out in April AJR, Marsh and Solowski. Patient shielding is standard practice in imaging despite growing evidence that it provides negligible or no benefit and carries a substantial risk. The historical rationale is discussed. Although change is difficult, it is incumbent upon radiologists, medical physicists, and technologists to abandon the practice of patient shielding in radiology. So the author was no messing around. But again, a lot of people still use shielding, so it's something you need to get over. And here it is. Look at this. That article is very clear cut. It is important to give technologists discretion to provide shielding in certain circumstances. Patients who are extremely anxious about the lack of shielding should be advised of the potential risks. The technologist still determines that shielding would provide a substantial psychological benefit for the patient. He or she should be allowed to make this professional judgment. However, it's important to emphasize to medical staff that shielding should be avoided whenever possible. And that is really a good point. Patient, you know, and when you think about it, patient shielding persists despite growing evidence that the practice should be abandoned because it really increases the dose, decreases the quality. So again, we need to get over it and just move on and think about how we do things. Marsh goes on to say, in addition, information in the form of posters or brochures can provide information to patients before an exam, either online or in the waiting room. And one of the things we do find out that's important is patients perhaps, as we said before, expect to get an apron. They don't. They figure you don't know what you're doing. You need to really be proactive saying, hey, I can give you an apron, but it's going to be harmful rather than helpful. That's why we're not doing it. Not because we don't know about it, not because we're lazy, but because we're doing the right thing for you. So concluding then, in the pregnant patient, if CT is the study of choice to optimize the exam, give oral and IV contrast, single phase acquisition, lift the volume scanned, or limit the volume scan rather. Remember, uh, you don't want to be scanning the chest. Sometimes with pregnant patients, it's very hard. They don't take deep breaths, you're scanning large volumes. But you want to make certain you do the best you can. And then optimize your dose. There are a number of dose reducing techniques that can be valuable. So that covers a lot of material. I think the key takeaway message is one, don't shield patients, especially pregnant patients. Number two, CT with contrast is in a critical study. 
in patients who need it who are pregnant. Again, we need to make certain the patient needs a CT, not an ultrasound, not an MR, but if they do, just pull the trigger and do the study. And with that, I thank you very much for your attention. Catch you later.